All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Boombastic Chaos. It's me, Machu, and we have Alexander, Alexander Great. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Well, a great man would, of course, would be doing great. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, unfortunately, we're not here for great reasons. You know what I mean? Kind of a tragic thing happened uh, two days ago, I think it was. Um, God knows when you guys will hear this, but two days ago, this present time, I, the great Ray Liotta passed away over in the Dominican Republic shooting a uh, a new film called Deep Waters, I think, or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, very sad stuff. Now, Alex, how big of a fan of Ray are you? Um... To be honest, I'm not a huge fan. I've I've enjoyed him in the stuff I've seen him in, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I after finding out that he passed, and uh, after talking to Matt about doing a show on him, I did revisit a bunch of films of his. One of the things that I found kind of sad was the fact. When I, I looked at his IMDb and I looked at a lot of films that I I know and enjoy and I look and see that Ray Liotta's in there, I actually had a hard time thinking of what his role was. So I had to do a, a little bit of research and rewatch them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was good uh, going back and 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 seeing him. He was he was a great actor. He had a very uh, specific uh, specific way of doing things, and he was really good. and And we'll we'll miss him. Oh, for sure. Yeah the only uh, the only uh, tri- tribute viewing that I watched after Ray Liotta passed uh, was uh, uh, No Escape. You know what I mean? I, I checked that out. I remember that being, being a big fan of that as a kid and. That was I, I went down and I kind of looked through the old DVD collection and I said, what do I got? I, I could go Goodfellas again. I've watched it so many times. You know what I mean? Um, oh, so so you ha- you have the movie on No Escape, right? I have the movie No Escape, yes. Yeah, that, uh, un- unfortunately, um, a little spoiler, I don't have that on the list because I remember watching the movie and loving the movie. Yeah. But again, it's one of those I haven't seen since I don't know how long. I'd have to watch it again before, you know, seeing whether I, I would put it on the list or not. Because I actually had a hard time trying to track it down. Uh, did uh, I mean, did you, uh, where did you get that DVD of No Escape? Uh, I bought that DVD like way, way back when, back when you'd go to the store and just buy DVDs because that that was like the, the number one source of entertainment. Oh, uh, cool. I mean, I'll, I'll have to see if I can track it down. I do remember loving the idea and the story of the fact that you had like this penal colony and you had, if I, my memory serves me correctly, the killers, the rapists and all that were kind of like their own encampment. And then you had the, the like the thieves and the other criminals that weren't weren't violent crimes in another camp, and there was kind of always a war between those. 
Yeah, it was a very crazy post-apocalyptic type vibe. You know what I mean? The fun thing about No Escape is that No Escape, uh, in the rewatch, I actually uh, re-realized that it was based in 2022. Ain't that weird? <laughs> why, why am I not surprised? Uh, I, I would not be surprised if if uh, we find out in, in some dark secret uh, government conspiracy that... Uh, there is a place that they send uh, people in kind of a, uh, a penal colony hellscape. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, uh, but yeah, it's good. It's a good film. You know, it's, it, the, 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 the picture, the picture like size is real crazy in it where like it's, um, it's DVD. You probably don't see it because they might not have a good, you know, negative of it. I don't know what happened, but I know the DVD is not that good. The picture is like a weird, it's like you got the full black, um, the full black screen and then not widescreen, but it's like a, a black all around it type deal. Maybe I got to fix a format on the television or something, but, um, I remember like some DVDs having issues with like just the way that it was put to DVD that it ended up with like, uh, you know, the box around it or whatever. It's very unfortunate. Very unfortunate, very unfortunate things. You know what I mean? Am I losing it? Um, but yeah, yeah. No escape. No escape is a. Uh, it made my list. Like I said, it was a film straight out of the childhood. You know, like we say a lot with this show. Um, not a, you know, it's, it might not be the best performance. Why a movie might catch this list? You know what I mean? Um, it might be. A time and a place who you watched it with type deal, you know, uh, like a sport. We'll do a little, little, little intro, like an honorable mention type deal, like a place, uh, place behind the pines there. Uh, the, the Bradley Cooper project that they did, that real dramatic film. He did it with all his like writer friends. I don't know if you remember that film. I, I don't think I've seen it, but I do know of the, of the film. Yeah, like that film was that didn't make my list, but that was a good flick I wanted to mention um, with Ray Liotta in it. He's kind of playing a corrupt cop, which you know is is not, you know, you'll you'll see some of that. You'll see some more of that here today, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, hold on, hold on, Ray Liotta playing a corrupt cop. I know. I I, I can't buy it. I can't buy it, dude. No, nah. You know, <clears throat> Ray Liotta's uh, doing a big. But uh, yeah, magnificent in that, you know what I mean? Narc was good too. I didn't really put Narc on my list, but Narc was that. He did kind of, he fell into kind of the same wheelhouse, a little bit of actors per se, but he was that, what he, he was super great at what he did. Like that intensity, like if you needed someone to be a crazy person that could, in one scene, get you to be like, oh, caring and loving and be okay, this dude's cool, I trust this person. And then the next scene, flip it into, oh, I'm fucking terrified of this person. This is a scary dude. You know what I mean? Like, Ray Leone is one of those dudes that could do that. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody here is trying to say that Ray Leone is the greatest actor that ever existed. But what, for what he, what he did, his style, and what he, what he was set out to do and did in those, those roles, I, well, he did great at him. You know what I mean? For sure. He was a great actor. There can only be one Alexander Hawk, is what I'm trying to say here. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, crown. Of, yeah, of course, uh, no one can hold a candle to myself. A big heavy crown with all them jewels in it. 
hurting your neck, you got to wear that. You got to have that big fucking padded neck brace going all the time, like Bobby Heenan. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I got to all be jeweled out. You're a good man. All right, so uh, let's kick off into. Did you want to say anything before we kicked off into the? No, our, no. I'm ready things. to get uh, get down to do the 10 AD Ray Liotta. Well, top 10 AD, Ray Liotta. My number 10, I got the Iceman in here. I got it in, you know, he, he, Ray DeMeo, famous, you know, uh, New York hoodlum type shit, um, running around doing bad news stuff. That was his character. You know, not too far-fetched from some things you might have seen in the past. This film came out <clears throat> maybe like five to ten years ago, I feel. Now, this film, I I, I was like... I wanted to make this film for the longest years because I'm a gigantic fan of kind of like the, 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 the content of it, like the person it was based off, which was Richard Kuklinski, notorious contract killer, um, out there known as the Iceman and kill people that didn't freeze them. That's how I got the name, the Iceman. And, uh, you know, way back in the day, or well, not back, I guess the nineties, which is way back in the day. Um, HBO did the, these two documentary series uh, on him, and he's some uh, like that did this like the, the some of the the craziest quotes ever heard are on these documentaries of just hardcore brutality. Like anybody putting together mixtapes, like hip hop mixtapes, it's all there. Like you know, everything's there. He, Richard can host your mixtape. You know what I mean? Uh, it's super gangster stuff, and. uh I for I got the book. There was a book written on it, and uh, I've always it was a film I always wanted to make, and then they made it. Now the film's not that fantastic of a film, and Ray Liotta might not be playing his most fantastic of characters, but the original origins of what it's about uh, is something that I I've always been kind of. I don't want to say a fan of, but like fascinated by, interested in maybe. You know what I mean? I always oh, found yeah. interest in that character in the world, so to speak. But uh, have you seen The Iceman? Oh, yeah. And um, I'm not going to say too much on it because I do have it on the list, but it's uh, quite a bit higher up. So, ooh. Um, ooh. Yeah, I really do lo- like the movie. Um, and uh, like I said, it's uh, higher up on my list, and uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that, and, and we'll discuss more when we we'll get talk a little, uh, We'll talk more about it there, because we could talk about the cast a little bit yeah. <clears throat> with it, that worked with him. Um, so what does Alexander the Hawk have for number 10? Oh, all, right, all right. Now, for number 10, uh, from my memory, it's honestly a very small cameo scene, okay? Yeah, but uh, hey, um, he says this one line, which I, I have to say is uh, d- delivered the only way that Ray Liotta can deliver deliver a lie. And um, the movie is actually uh, Sin City: A Dame to Kill For. Ah, interesting. Have you seen that? I have. I think it came like a little ten, fifteen years too late, but I uh, I seen it. Yeah. Well, here's a line, and, and if you have children listening to this podcast, oh, you no. might want to, you know, close, uh, put your hands over their ears, you know, uh, have them walk out of the room. Uh, but the line he says is, you're going to suck me dry and never stop. 
Oh my, I need to, I need a moment. I need yeah. a moment to step away after hearing that. That was too good. Yes. And, and of course he's saying this to a hooker. He has handcuffed to the bed. He has a gun pulled on her. And at that moment, Mr. Thanos himself, Mr. Josh Brolin, jumps through the skylight and, you know, kicks his ass. And like I said, it's, it's not the it's not the greatest role he's done and and all of that, but I just like I said, it was small and just the, the, the moment of screen time that he did have in the movie, I he he, he made it very memorable. And probably for for the movie itself wasn't that great. It wasn't bad, but and honestly it's one of the, the few things I do remember from the sequel. Yeah. Hey, I'm with you. Yeah. I support that, homie. Thank you. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I know what you mean. All right, so next up, we go with me at number nine. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, number nine, another film that I kind of, that made, that, that, you know, kind of goes with no escape. Uh, where I seen it as a, I remember get, being rented as a kid in, in watching it, and I think I even remember trailers, like seeing the trailer for this in previous movies before this rental came about, um, and it had kind of like a horror psychological uh, twist to it, which I enjoyed. You know what I mean? It was a little, little more crazier than your regular t- typical type uh, action, you know, cop action type suspense deal. But Unlawful Entry, I thought it was good deals. Uh, big fan of it. You know what I mean? Uh, you got Kurt Russell in there, and he's the husband and his wife, Madeline Stowe. Um, they're getting, they're, their house gets robbed, and uh, I think she's about to get killed. And uh, Ray Liotta's a cop, and he comes to save the day. And... It just, uh, he saves a day and they, they grow like a weird relationship type deal. And, uh, Ray Liotta plays crazy like nobody else does. You know, this is one of those, I remember the, you know, as a kid seeing this and he, he was such a great, um, great actor that you just like, wow, like get creep. Like he was one of those actors that look, <clears throat> he could just give you that. There was something about his face that it would just settle back into a relaxed state. And he would give you those intense glaring eyes and they were dark. And it was just like, woo, like you don't want to be the person on the other side of it. Uh, and that, 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 this kind of reminds me of the first time uh, that, I, that I remember getting that vibe from him. So that's why I put it on my list. Uh, Kurt Russell, superb in this. This was, um, this was during a time when Kurt Russell was doing these weird psychological thrillers. He did... Um, that you know the the highway one, fuck, um, and it, it's about him. You know him and his wife break down on a highway. He leaves her with the car to go get gas, and then um, some people like kidnap her. And it's like one of those weird highway movies where that uh, he's gonna like bat, like try and find her type deal. You know what I mean? I vaguely remember it. I don't remember other than the basic breakdown. That's this. what it's called. It's called breakdown, if I remember breakdown. correctly. Yeah. Um, but it's like a psychological. It was because it it's one of those deals. When you think about it, it's kind of it's really it's it's realistic, but it's like horrifying because uh, it's like real horror. That's <laughs> psychological horror. So I put both of these 
unlawful entry I put in that category too. And I I really liked it a lot as a movie. And uh Ray Liotta, great villain, dude. Great real life villain. You know what I mean? Like if you wanna you know we're not talking Freddy Krugs and Jasons, you know what I mean? We're talking about you want a, a human person to portray uh you know an intense fucking dude that'll scare you. Ray Liotta's right up there. You know what I mean? Michael Madsen has that look. Lance Henriksen, you know what I mean? Um, Forsyth has it. You know what I mean? A lot of these dudes have these looks that can just, you know, stop you dead in your tracks with with a peer. You know what I mean? So that's why I had to put it on my list. Unlawful entry. Hey, dude. Hey, buddy. So... Unlawful entry, yeah, we had a little issue there, but I think it should be everything should be smooth. Unlawful entry was my entry as number nine. Uh, what did you have in there for number nine? Okay, for number nine, I have smoking aces. Woo! Now I gotta say, I I enjoy smoking aces. It is the epitome of no holds bar action of and all of that. And actually, the funny thing is, one of the reasons I put this on the list for Ray Liotta was the fact that his character was probably one of the more more, more grounded characters in the entire movie. Yeah. And you have him teamed up with Ryan Reynolds, uh, who's, of course, uh, the big star of this specific movie. And, of course, there's a lot of other great stars that, that show up. Uh, and, and Ray Liotta kind of plays uh, the FBI more, you know, straight-laced kind of partner to Ryan Reynolds in this story. And uh, it was nice seeing him, actually, I would say probably the most straight-laced character I've ever seen him play. So it was kind of a departure from what yeah. we usually see him as. We, we I mean... I'm watching him and I'm half expecting him to suddenly be an assassin himself or that he's working with the assassins or something like that. Because that's that's something we kind of expect with Ray Liotta, his characters he plays. Usually, you know, he, he plays one way and then halfway through it you find out that he's not the, quite the person that we expect him to be. Yeah. And... um in Smoking Aces, you know, the character that he played, he's, he stayed there up till a, a very gruesome shootout in an elevator. <laughs> I support, yeah. But, yeah, so that's why I put it on the list, because I thought it was a nice little, still in his wheelhouse, but something that was a little different from how his characters usually end up being played. I I enjoyed Smoking Aces. I remember at the time, Smoking Aces was one of those films that was uh, successful, and everybody was raving about it because it was had it had a lot of style, and the story was real cool. You know what I mean? Um, I remember uh, it was the first time I think we ever seen our boy fucking uh, Ben Affleck with a beard, if I remember correctly, hmm. or like that Extract movie, maybe. Yeah. I think I remember being weirded out by the first time I seen him bearded out. I was like, huh, I'm not used to this. Um, you have a degree of separation uh, to smoking aces. Do you know that, Alexander? And I guess you can tie yourself to uh, Ray Liotta. Hmm. Uh, that's, 
Let me try to think. In, in, um, in three jumps, you can make this connection. In three jumps. Yeah. That's a good. Um. Well, Ben Ben Affleck. If 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 we're jumping from me to Billy Coyne, and then Billy Coyne to uh Ben Affleck, are we talking about that? Well, Bill, Bill Coyne never worked with Affleck, though. That's the deal. You, you've 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 kind you've worked on a production. One of these people have worked on. <clears throat> We're going to start doing this, so we'll do a separation game and all of it. <laughs> so the, I'm sure everybody out there is ready to pull the trigger on themselves. So real quickly, we'll go. The great Alex Rocco uh, is in Smoking Aces. Oh yeah, that's right. A few years later, he would work on a film with us called The House Across the Street. You know what True. I mean? Very cool True. dude. Um. But yeah, Smoking Aces, I thought was really cool. Jeremy Piven was in there. He played the dude they were trying to get to, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. And that. I mean, other than uh, Ben Affleck, you also had um, oh shit, there was a lot. Oh, of... I remember Peter Berg, your boy, in there, director of uh, Battleship, doing a yeah. big and shocker, and actor in Shot Cutter. But yeah, uh, Smoking Aces was a fun film, and I remember that being. Um, that was like a big deal. I got a sequel. I don't think the sequel is as good, but I remember, um, I remember that being uh, like hip at the time, being like a, a breath of fresh air, if you will, of Cinemato. It's definitely just it's 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 a it's Tar- it's like a Tarantino vibey style. Like every everybody stole from the T man, you know what I mean, a little bit, but he steals from everybody too. So they're really just stealing from pop culture in the end. But Smoking Aces was uh, good times. Not so much the sequel, though. You know what I mean? I have to admit, I didn't even know they made a sequel. Yeah, there might even be three of them. <clears throat> oh, shit. Isn't uh, there a weird... Isn't there, like, a surprise killing in there with maybe Affleck's character or something like that? Doesn't, like, one of the main characters get killed off like by surprise? Well, I mean, Ray Liotta's character... I mean, the way they have it set up, you're kind of expecting... Ryan Reynolds and Ray Liotta to kind of be the the survivors at the end. At least I got the impression yeah. that, you know, and of course Ray Liotta uh, uh, notices an assassin in the elevator and they end up having a, a, a bit of a shootout, which unfortunately Mr. Ray Liotta does not escape from. Yeah. That's very That makes me just as sad as when I heard he was no longer with us, man. Yeah. But yeah, that uh Smoke and Aces, that was that was good times. It didn't make my list, but I did enjoy it. And I own it. I, I, I ran out and bought it. I think I even see it in theaters. Um what are we up to? Number eight? Yep, number eight. Now number eight for me, uh, there are two films that I put in there. The only two comedies I put them in there, and I put them in there because both of these comedies are comedies that when they came out, I think failed and nobody talked about them. But they're actually pretty good comedies for what they are, if you will. And those comedies are Youth in Revolt. You know what I mean? Might the Michael Sarah film. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, I haven't seen it, but I do know of it. It's actually a really good film for what it is. Like I, good, good writing, good, well executed comedy. You know what I mean? Uh, and the next one is and he in Youth in Revolt. He plays like I think it's a cop. It's kind of unlawful entry, like in a way where uh, I believe he plays a cop who's like comes to like try and help. The, like he, he he comes to help them over like a dispute 
and then he ends up shacking up with the mother, and he turns into like a dicky stepfathery type character. You know what I mean? Um, which I think in Observant Report he plays almost the same fucking thing, if I remember correctly. Or maybe I'm having an issue. Maybe I'm having brain salad surgery going on over here. No, no. I mean, I did see Observant Report, and I mean, his character was, if my memory serves, is a cop also, and um, Shaq's up uh, I think it's... No, no, no. There's, there, he does a Because I know he wants to be... It's, Seth Rogen wants to be the cop, and then, that, and then Ray Liotta's like the, the chief or whatever. Who tells him he can't do it and makes fun of him all the time. Well, my memory is that he's not a chief, just a detective. Oh, okay. And he wants to bang Anna Ferris, which is who Seth Rogen wants to bang. Anna Ferris, everybody did at that time. She was smoking hot. Yeah. Um, and and the thing is, yeah, he, he, he plays also a dicky asshole character, you know, uh, making fun of this, you know, uh, mall cop. We're not going to say that there's a very few, very few things that Ray could do, but let's just say there's very few things that he excelled at incredibly well. And, and, and that type of character was it. But yeah, I put them both as number eight. Youth and Revolt, actually a good comedy. I, I, I think it went under the radar heavily. If you get a chance to check it out, check it out. And also Observe and Report, um, which could, quite possibly could have been the first failure that Seth Rogen um, after he blew up, you know, the first failure that he dealt with, it was way before the pickle movie. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. it's actually good. And if well, have you seen observing report? Yeah. Yeah. I have seen observing report. I mean, the yeah. thing is that it ha- ended up coming out at the same time as Paul Blart mall cop. Oh no. And, 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 and the thing is that while they both deal with mall cops, they're two totally different comedies. Yeah, and I mean, to be perfectly honest, uh, Observing Report is a lot better than and then Paul Blart and Malkop. Oh, by, so, by far, by far, dude. Yeah, Paul, Kevin J. I don't know why Kevin James has a career. Unfortunately, I I don't know if Adam Sandler's doing everything for him behind the scenes or what the deal is, but I never understood the. What what people like about Kevin James so much? Kevin James was was one of those guys who just got lucky, got to know the right people at the right time, and somehow he conned them into thinking that he was a decent uh, comedian and actor. I think it was during that. Maybe it was it was just a time and a place. Sometimes when thing when when comedy is lacking, people that aren't as great get on. You know what I mean? And like, if they, if they, if they, if, if America really needed a hero, so to speak, maybe at t- t- times of trouble, he blew up or whatever, you know, in that observing report film though, you've seen it. So my favorite scene is with that fucking, that Michael Pena dude went out, <laughs> Pena. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about right off the bat when like, he t- well, he I mean, I, I, I remember his, his character being hilarious. And I think Michael Pena is definitely yeah. He steals everything he's in. I mean, nothing against Paul Rudd, but he made both Ant-Man movies. So, you know. There's certain, yeah, there's certain people that are get that, that the way they work in the system is like, they might not be the leading man, which I do think he could be leading man. I think he, I think he could carry a thing on his own for sure. But like, they're not quite the leading person in the film. Seth Rogen is obviously, but 
there's those second, you know, those supporting. It really shows you how important supporting cast is. If you've got a good supporting cast around a good star, like you, you're killing it. But I love that part when he kind of, he does that little twist. And then when he hops in the car and they put the, he put, turns on the radio and then he cruises out of the, out of the, the mall, dude. I think that was fucking, that was, I love that moment. Yeah. But yeah, those two, I put them both as number eight because I thought they were both good. At, uh, and he was good in it. Again, that intensity, you know, he's, he's super intense. When you really think about it, like, yeah, yeah, Ray Liotta, unfortunately, and I got love for the dude, but, like, unfortunately, he hasn't been put in a situation to pick the best films, you know what I mean, or or just for whatever reason hasn't in in more recent years, so to speak. But, like, you know, so you don't really think, you're not really going, when you, unfortunately, dude, when you heard Ray Liotta a month ago, you weren't thinking, what a great actor. His intensity is unmatched. But when people die, you you slow down and go, oh, shit, you know what? Like, Ray Liotta was the fucking bomb in what he did, you know what I mean? And that's why we do things like this. Um, but, yeah, definitely those two comedies, if you... They're good. They're funny. I, I the, You know, I'm not one to, to push mainstream comedy really ever because hardly ever is it any that is it is it worthwhile but those two as far as mainstream comedies go those two are pretty good and i find it funny that i think they both failed at the box office and such so alexander yeah um for you my friend number eight would be hannibal Ooh, scary yeah a taste for the flesh well, I mean, I mean, the thing, it's, it's funny. Um, it made the list and made uh, number eight um, for two reasons. One, I mean, you can't, you can't match, uh, at least in, in, in more modern horror movies, mainstream modern horror movies. I mean, the, the uh, Hannibal Lecter eating his brain and you seeing it and all that. Is probably one of the most unnerving and uneasy scenes in a horror movie that I've I've seen. Does it really doesn't he really, feed him a piece of the brain too? What's up? Doesn't he feed him a piece of his own brain? Or yeah, like yeah, he does. That's fucking darkness, man. Like, well, that whole frit. We're gonna get into some Jonathan. Uh, uh, I think or maybe Ted Demi, Jonathan Demi, or he did a uh, maybe one of the Demi brothers. We're gonna do. Um, but yeah, dude, the Silence of the Lambs, you know, and then Hannibal. But fucking psychological horror for days with those movies, man. I got to give them a rewatch. Silence of the Lambs, of course, is is madness. Hannibal, I, I when it came out, I think I watched it once, maybe twice, and then I it's been retired into the shelf. Um, I don't think I went any deeper, but I remember Hannibal being like really fucked up and good, like. But that's that real life horror shit, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, an- another thing that you know, the reason it, it got on the list was the fact that I, I saw an interview with him, and he was talking about you know being offered the role and, and all that, and he's like, yeah, I, I, when he said when he got the role, first of all, he says any chance to work with Hopkins, yeah. he says. He was down. He didn't care if he had to be a a chair in the in in the background. I mean, yeah. good, uh, working with Anthony Hopkins, he's such an iconic uh, person, and, and Ray really wanted a chance to uh, share a scene with him. And also the fact that 
he made a comment that he wasn't sure how how to play the character when he had his skull taken out and, and was eating part of his skull. And he said that earlier in his career, he did some films where he, uh, uh, and this is like, I think he said before Goodfellas and, and, and all that, where uh, he played like a uh, surgeon or something like that. And to get ready for the role, he went, he met surgeons, he actually watched some um, of them doing uh, their things in surgery. And one of them happened to be a person uh, cutting open a person's brain and the person's awake as they're trying to figure out what's wrong. Mm. And the way that uh, he portrayed them, uh, all kind of spacey and drugged out and all that, was how he saw that person when they were operating on the brain. And he took that. And I like the fact that, you know, he took that knowledge that he uh, took for another film and he brought into, of course, this film he just got. Yeah. 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 Because, I mean, the thing is that you can, uh, you know, go and, and teach yourself as an actor or learn different things, and you might not need it for the specific role that you're uh, teaching yourself for, but then, you know, years later, you get a role where that knowledge is is very useful. And in that case, it worked well uh, when you played the character in Hannibal. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the character is great. I mean, you, you can't, you know, the success of it is he is, can't, you know, Hannibal Cannibal can be put in the category with slasher icons like a Freddy Krueger or a, a Jason Voorhees. He's a little more realistic. He might be more in the category of a Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer type deal, but he's definitely should be put on a list if they were to put together, you know, those folks, iconic, uh, you know, slasher body count racking up. Uh, super, you know, sick and twisted, smart, um, precise individual. You know what I mean? Very, uh, very troublesome stuff, man. <clears throat> so next up, we're on seven. Uh, yeah. Okay. Number seven for me is No Escape. You know, we talked about that film earlier. <clears throat> it was just one of those, you know, I think this is right around the time when it, uh, bo- when uh, his his career was booming off. You know what I mean? Uh, he was really he was starring this gentleman, you know what I mean? A soldier convicted for murdering a commanding officer is dumped and uh, left to die in a prison island inhabited by two camps of convicts, you know, and has that escape from New York vibe um, getting set in there. And he kind of, he, he's like, he tries to have a good heart about things too. He's kind of like the, the heart of gold guy, you know what I mean? Um, very intense for fucking, you know, the nineties movies were pretty intense. You know what I mean? I remember this being kind of a wild ride. And when I rewatched it, I was like, this is a pretty fucking wild ride. I had a great cast too. You know what I mean? In the great Ernie Hudson, Lance Henriksen, of course, you know what I mean? Um, Stuart Wilson was really good too. You don't really see him that much anymore. He was, um, I also remember him always from Ninja Turtles three, uh, as like the bad guy in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part Three, and uh, I believe one of the last the last thing that he did he hasn't done anything in a little bit, but the last thing he did was Marauders, uh, the film directed by our buddy Stephen C. Miller over there. You know what I mean? Killing it, very nice, very nice. Thank you. But, 
yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, epic, iconic. You know, you got Lance Henriksen's great in everything he does. He's kind of like a – he's the good guy. He wasn't playing a villain. He was kind of like the, the father of this this um, little village of uh, outcasts. Kevin Dillon's in it. Kevin Dillon's a gentleman I'd love to interview on our show, but he always betrays people in movies that I feel should he should catch the arrow or something in the neck. You know what I mean? But not in real life, just in the films. In real life, he's probably a great dude. Uh, Kevin J. O'Connor, uh, he was in this as well. He's good. You might know him from a film called Lord of the Rings, a Clive Barker venture. You know what I mean? As well as numerous other things. I'm sure there's other things Hawkman would love him for. Um, not so much Lord of Illusions. <laughs> and they also great Ian McNeese is in there as the king. Um, the th- one thing I'll say about he's in one of my favorite films of all time, which is um, um, none of that. Well, not none of that. That's the, that's something else. That's uh, Nuns on the Run. Nuns uh, on the Run. Eric Idle. None. Yeah, Nuns on the Run is classic. Classic stuff. Yeah. And a young Hagrid, Mister Robbie Coltrane. Sometimes you do what you gotta do. Hell yeah, Bubba. Hell yeah. yeah. So what time uh, we'll escape from my number seven into your number seven. So my is- number seven is a little film called Field of Dreams. Ooh, not on my list, but it's a good film. You know, definitely a good film. But yeah, I mean Field of Dreams itself is a great movie, hands down. Um also I mean in the scheme of things, Ray Liotta's role is not a big one in the film, but it's a very important role in the film. Yeah. Uh, where he ends up being Shoeless Joe, who ends up being the father of Kevin Costner's character. Yeah. And um, the ending where it's just him and Ray Liotta as as Shoeless Joe and and tossing the ball back and forth. I mean, being even I who I'll be the first one to admit I I was not a great athlete. I wasn't into sports that much, but. Even my dad and I would go out and we toss the ball back, uh, back and forth, yeah. which is, I think it's it's especially in movies. It's kind of like um, father and son bonding, you know, um, truca in films. Right. You know, tossing the ball back and uh, back and forth, which is, and 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 you got the two of them doing that. And while there's not a, I mean, there's dialogue, but there's not a lot of dialogue. A lot of it is is said with the eyes, mm-hmm. and 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 just the kind of connection between Ray Liotta and Kevin Costner in that scene. Um, and also, it's, I mean, it's uh, Field of Dreams came out the same year as Goodfellas. Yeah, and. Um, and it's it's great because it's one of the few films I can think of that Ray's in where it is a lot different from a lot of other things he's done. It's very yeah. understated. It's very emotional. Um, 
And it was funny because I saw an interview with Ray Liotta where it was actually him on Larry King. And uh, he was talking about how when he started doing films and all that, he thought that the whole point of being an actor is you play one role, you play a gangster, and then next role you play a physicist. Uh, Next role you play, you know, another character that's totally different. Yeah. So when when he, I mean, the whole idea of like being a character actor or kind of being in a niche wasn't something on his his radar. So uh, when he did Field the Dreams, he then you know when he did uh, Goodfellas, and as as time went on, Goodfellas was the film that really cemented him in people's kind of brain of what type of character that he's good at. And that's why, you know, he plays either cops, FBI agents, or hoodlums, or variations of both. True. So, uh, but it was it was nice. Uh, it's a great film, very heartfelt. And it was good, uh, good role for a young Ray Liotta, you know, something different that we did not get to see a lot of unfortunately, before he passed. Yeah. No, I agree. It's a very, very, very much so, for sure. You know what I mean? Um, Next up for me, number six. Yep. Something weird. Uh, Weird. Yeah, the Jonathan Demme film, one of his earlier films, he would later go on to do Silence of the Lambs. That's what I was going for earlier. Um, have you ever seen something uh, something wild? What I say, something weird. You said something weird. Yeah, I'm lost my mind. That's a, that's a that's another film. That's a, <laughs> that's a that's a dark exploitation film. Something wild. My bad. Yeah, with John, directed by Jonathan Demme. You know, Jeff Daniels and Melanie Griffith are in it as well. Have you seen? Uh no, I haven't seen that movie. Oh, boy. It's uh, really good. Criterion Collection put out an edition of it. I'm not the biggest Jeff Daniels fan, but uh, the film's cool. I got down with Melanie Griffith all day, and Ray, uh, we always party. But, yeah, really cool film. You know, a free-spirited woman, which is, you know, Melanie Griffith. She kidnaps some yuppie. Who, who would be the yuppie, of course? Jeff mm-hmm. Daniels. Um, for the for a weekend adventure, but the fun quickly takes a dangerous turn when her ex-convict husband shows up, played by Ray Liotta. Um, and he's trouble. Like we said before, man, he's very intense in it. He's a dude. We see Ray Liotta as, usually from like maybe his 30s up, somebody don't want to fuck with. This is Ray Liotta maybe early 20s, 25. Ray Liotta that you don't want to fuck with. You don't want in your life. You know what I mean? You don't want him having a reason to be a burden in your life type deal. And he I, really is no, there's very few people that, that have that vibe. It's like, when you think of a, if you were looking for a character that you just, you didn't want to have them on your, you know, on, you'd, be, you'd be on their bad side where they want to fucking cause you harm or ruin your life. Like Ray Liotta is that dude, you know what I mean? Um, and that's what he is in this, you know what I mean? They, they kind of escape together a little bit and, uh, you know, the husband pops up and he's not a good dude. He's bad news. And, uh, you know, Jeff Daniels kind of tries to take her away and stand up for her. <clears throat> and, of course, Ray Liotta's character definitely doesn't want to get down with anything like that. You know, the Ray Sinclair character. He played Ray. Ray was playing Ray. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Very scary stuff. But uh, you never seen something wild? No, no. I, I've heard of it, but never seen the movie. We'll have to. I own it. We'll have to watch it one of these times uh, you're over here. Heck yeah. All right, Bubba. So you got number seven for you. Or what are you on? Number six, actually. Number six. Number six. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, number six, I have Killing Them Softly. Ooh, very good pick. I'm glad you've seen that film. Yes. Actually, I think I saw that film with you. Well, that's the best way to see any film, <laughs> I feel. Well, I mean, he also has a small role in the film. Yeah. Um, what I like is, from my memory, he only has two scenes in it. And yeah. what really put him on the list and how high he's on the list is because definitely of the first scene you see him in, where you have these two uh, guys knocking over a, a gambling uh, establishment. That is, it's obvious that everyone in that room is either extremely connected or a high-ranking official of the mob or something like that. And Ray Liotta is is kind of the guy who's in charge of it. He sets. He said, "You so it's people that are so in in it that you're not going to go meet at Tony's every Friday night because people would eventually watch you." Ray Liotta's character was the dude that would pick where they're going to do it di- in different places, where they're going to have their poker games and, and such. So nobody yeah. can trace them and kind of do what happens. Or yeah. the FBI can't find them. Yeah. And, and there's a scene where he comes in, one of the, uh, the guys holding up the place, puts a gun to his head, takes him out back to get the money. And there's a conversation where Ray Liotta is literally telling the guy, you don't have to do this. Listen, you can just pull down the gun, leave. I won't tell anyone about you and all that. I can take care of your buddy. You know, you, this doesn't have to go down the way it's going to go down. Because he knows that who they're knocking off and all that, that they're going to die. There's, there's no... There's no sunny sunset for these guys. They're not going to get away clean. And, and, and the thing is, of course, you know, he's, he's doing this because, you know, he, he doesn't want to get in, in trouble. Or, but he really shows a, a lot of empathy and also compassion yeah. where he's trying to talk this. He knows that these kids are way over their head. They have no idea what kind of a hornet nest they're kicking over. And he's trying to legit, you know, help this kid by saying, dude, just just get out of here. I'll take care of it. But if you guys keep on going the way you're going, this is not going to end well for you guys. Yeah. And that, I mean, and then the second scene is they – the, the higher-ups and two guys have pretty much beat the shit out of Ray Liotta trying to find out whether he was in on it. And, of course, you know, he, he takes to beating and and all that, which, I mean, is... Honestly, I felt sorry for him. I really legit felt sorry for Ray Liotta in that scene. Yeah. And I was like... You know, yeah, I, I have Killing Them Softly as my number five, so I'll, I'll I'll add to it. But, yeah, he was very sympathetic because, like, 
It's almost like uh, they knew he was somebody that they knew he was somebody that if if that that people would question his involvement with it. You know what I mean? He was unsure. Even in even amongst thieves and criminals, he was known as like a shady dude to them. So he wasn't able to be trusted. It was like a weird movie. It was a great crime movie, not quite like your typical mobster movie. Um, but it, it, he was really good in it. You know what I mean? Um, I really, I'm glad to hear that you you you've seen this film and you enjoyed it. You know what I mean? Andrew Dominic directed it. He also did a film called Chopper, which I'm a big fan of. Oh, yeah, that's a good movie, too. Uh, Mark Chopper Reed, you know what I mean? Uh, Eric Bana, I believe, the future Incredible Hulk. He uh, he plays, there's a crazy scene of getting his ears cut off. He's like, I like that true crime when they do the movies about, you know, the, the real people like that. And uh, ever since I see in Chopper, and it's got a lot of style and a really cool flick. Um, you know, the, this it's based off of a book, you know, Coogan's Trade by George V. Higgins. If anybody out there that doesn't know uh, who George V. Higgins is, he uh, also wrote The Friends of Eddie Coyle. He's an author from Boston, which is why I have appreciation for him. Um, and does really good. He's a lawyer who just wrote these really cool crime like no- novels, you know, these these books and, and a few of them got turned into films. Um and he's from Boston, which I love. Brad Pitt produced this for his Plan B company. Um, he's great in it. Like Hawk was saying, he's sympathetic. He's like a killer, but like he tries to be human about it. Uh, a friend of the show, Slain, Boston rapper, actor. Uh, he's been in some of the Affleck movies. Um, he's in this. Um, this is also uh, probably one of the last times I've seen uh, Gandolfini. Gandolfini has... A great i love his performance in this film and it, it's so real dude you almost feel like that was gandolfini being gandolfini you know what i mean because i know he was having a lot of troubles with that shit with the booze and and the was and stuff like that uh i could speculate i don't i don't want to speculate but i almost feel like the last the last kind of uh, like his that was almost a lot like his life a little more happier i'd assume but i almost felt like that's what kind of what his life became in a way was in that um i thought he was fucking awesome in it i thought everybody was great in it i thought the whole film itself was cool the story was great i think it ended great uh, the whole thing was everything was perfect one of my favorite headshots of all time uh is in that film uh very cool film a lot of a lot of fun. I'm glad that you had that on there too. But that was also my number five, and uh, superb film. You know, I think one of the what as of current like that Andrew Dominic dude's really good. He also did that uh, the guy who shot Jesse James film, mm. whatever it's called, the long title one there. Uh, yeah, the um, assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert coward, Ford. Yeah. 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 He did that as well. I don't know if he's done anything recently, but he's talented, man, for sure. Um, Richard Jenkins was in this too, which was cool, where he's trying to play like this almost businessman that deals with the mob and like thinks he's hard hard to the core because he deals with them. And like Brad Pitt's got to let him know a few times that like if he wants to put on the big boy shoes, he can have to go to tap dance school first. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but I really killing them softly is a movie that I was excited to see, and when I seen it, I wasn't let down, and I still 
appreciate it to this day. And there's so many reasons why I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Uh, aside from it being a great film and having Ray Liotta in it. So with that being my number five as well, Alexander the Hawk, what would you have for your number four film? Actually, um, I had... Did you number five? I didn't do number five. Number six oh. was, was Killing Softly. Oh, man. Uh, I, got it was your... up in, I got all caught up with this. Hey, hey, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good, man. I still love you. I still love you. Uh, well, I, I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. But my number five is Identity. Mm. Uh, now, this this movie, I mean, you've seen it, right? Not only have I seen it, it's my number four, so I'm going to talk to you <laughs> like a gentleman about this. Look at us. <laughs> Look at how we're falling see, into line. See, see it's, it's like my six is his five, my five is his four. Hmm, I wonder whether this is going to be how, how we, we end it. Um, now, number... Uh, now, for number five, like I said, is identity. Yeah. Um, I really love the idea, the concept, because you start off with them with this serial killer that they're they're dealing with, yeah. and and then of course it, it jumps to these random people uh, ending up being uh, trapped because of a storm yeah. at, at at this motel, and. Very quickly, you start to uh, figure out that these people that are stuck at a motel, they're different personalities inside the serial killer's brain. And each, each personality is starting to get killed off. So there's one personality trying to take control of, of the serial killer, be the dominant personality. Which is a cool idea, just hands down. I thought that was... A really cool oh, this, idea. If I remember correctly, this movie was like, with the twist, it was like super fucking smart. I remember at the time this came out, nothing was touching this. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Like that. It's such a crazy psychological movie with a with a fucking twist. It's like what? Like I remember when I watched this for the first time. It was one of those moments when the movie really gets you and you're like, holy fuck. You know what I mean? Like, you don't see that. I don't know if it's because we were younger when we seen it or whatever, but like, you don't catch movies catching you like that off guard like that too often. It was great, you know? Yeah. And Ray Liotta's character is, uh, he shows up, um, he's driving a police, uh, I think FBI car. Man, the corrections officer. Corrections officer car, yeah. Yeah. And in the back, he has uh, Jake Busey, the son of the famous Gary Busey, uh, or as we like to call him, Drunkle. The Drunkle. Yeah. Um, shout out to the Dead Kids of Derry on that one. Word up. But anyway, um, and of course, uh, he comes in and he tries to take control. It's a little back and forth between him and John Cusack and... Uh, and then later you find out that Ray Liotta's character is actually also a prisoner who was being transferred with Jake Busey's character, but he kills the correction officer and takes his clothes and and badge and tries to, um, you know, and and is uh, trying to escape. Um, and of course, it's another one of those great roles where, you know. He comes off as 
a good guy trying to get things going right. And then he hits the point where he he turns on hinge. He becomes the crazy Ray Liotta we know and, and love to fear. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Identity is a fucking... It's a masterpiece of its time. It's up there with the... the, the it's up there with the best David Fincher movies of that time, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, it was, what's his name? Uh, James Magnold. Magnold. And, he, you know, from, he did, he did some films. You may have heard of these films. Uh, you know, you being a film fan, and a deep diver, you know a lot yeah. of films. So you might have heard of some films that he's done. Um, you know, more recent year, like he, like Indiana Jones 5, he's doing like Ford versus Ferrari, Logan, the Wolverine, Night and Day, 310 to Yuma, you know what I mean? Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash movie, that's dope. He went from uh, Identity into Walk the Line. I didn't realize they were that close. Yeah. And he also, his second film that he directed is also another film that I think is on both of our lists coming up soon. Ooh. Let that be a cliffhanger for y'all. But yeah. I'm uh, hanging by a cliff. I'm hanging by the cliff, dude. Uh, don't, well, don't let your identity be seen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember this movie was a mind blower. Like I, my mind was more blown apart by this than The Sixth Sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I remember The Sixth Sense. I, I didn't really have a huge effect on me just because by the time I watched The Sixth Sense, it was like I didn't know the twist, but the, the fact that the twist was there was known. So like you're like, OK, you're trying to figure out what this twist going to be identity is a film that I watched having no clue that there was a twist to it at all. Like having no idea. I just figured we were watching a regular old movie. And when we got to it, it was like, Whoa. So I think that why it really it blew me out of the water on that aspect of it. And uh, Ray Liotta, you know, killing it, playing character, character you might've seen him do before in the past, but um, you know, he's trying to do it big because the only there was a dude, Malcolm Rivers, the dude who was like the overall everybody at the end. I'm not trying not to spoil it, but uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince played him. Perfect role for Alexander Hawk. Perfect. Role. <laughs> yeah, there could be no better. So as we both agree on identity, I think you're next up for your number four. Yeah, number number four. Okay, hold on to your butts. You ready? Oh yeah. The Iceman. Oh shit! Oh shit! That I I put I put that as number four because I really liked. First of all, I enjoyed the movie. Now, I mean, if you go and actually uh, listen to as as Matt said, uh, the 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 real story of uh, Kalinsky and all that. The fact is, the movie so downplays a lot of his stuff. That, you know, if you actually listen to what he said actually happened, it's actually would have been an even better movie if they actually tried to stay closer to what really happened. Yeah, it was super hot. That's why I don't like I like the subject matter of it. That's why I put it like as my the number 10. But I, I don't think the movie itself is that good. Um, well, but I really like the subject matter because really Hollywood eyes like very watered down. Like Hawk was saying, like the one I wanted to do would have been fucking cool. And uh, hit me up, folks out there, if you got the, if you got the, the the funds because we can still make it in the future. But <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was not the best of films, but I like the subject matter. 
And definitely what Hawk's talking about with those documentaries, peep those documentaries and go back, grab the book because the books get all that and more. And, uh, yeah, it could have been a lot darker. It was very, it was very, it was put in P it's pretty much you, you're putting almost, it's not, it was rated, I think PG 13 or rated R, but it was like, to me, it was like making, you know, a PG version of a gruesome, oh, really a gruesome yeah. story, like a, a story that's, realistically fucking darkness like there's a dude that i think his initiation if i remember correctly into the mob he was just a regular dude that wanted that when i think he went in the i think he went uh, over went to war came back killing wasn't a big deal for him anymore so he eventually started doing hits for the mob and uh his connect his tie into the mob like the way to jump him in was like they were he, he met with one of the people and they were taking a walk down the street and uh like they got to a dude walking a dog and they were he was like oh you ready you ready for you think you can do this and he was like yeah i think i can do it and then they were like you see that dude walking the dog right there and he was like yeah he's like go kill him and he just walked over and shot the dude in the face um now i i like to think i like to think that it wasn't just a random go kill that dude that they they walked that way for a reason that day and that person was somebody that i guess had to go that's what i hope for I really hope that it wasn't the equivalent to Matt Fisher going out to walking his dog and getting blasted in the head for no reason. Um, hey, I guess I guess you have to be careful where you walk now, dude. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Um. Just a quick jump in. Yeah. Uh, one of the main reasons why I picked it for as high up as I did was the fact that, well, yeah. Um. Like Matt said, I mean, the character he's playing isn't like totally out of out of left field. It's the type of character he's played before. But what I liked about his character in this was the fact that, well, he is a ruthless mob guy and all that. There's a point where in this movie you had David Schwimmer, okay? And he plays a very sniveling kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of a waste of space character. You know, David one of Schwimmer. the hmm? he plays David Schwimmer. Yeah, he plays David, but the but you the fact, Schwimmer, yeah, yeah, but right. but the fact that I'm getting at is yeah. the fact that because Ray Liotta's character felt a kind of uh, a uh, um, loyalty to him yeah. that when he keeps on fucking up, uh, the uh, Ray Liotta's uh, higher up keep on telling him, "Dude, you gotta whack him." He got to get rid of him. He's given us a bad name. He's given you a worse name. It's either you or him kind of deal. So he finally had to do that. But I, I like the fact that it dealt with where it, it was obvious that he was having an issue with, with, with doing that because uh, they didn't get too, they didn't get too much into the backstory or anything, but it was obvious that he, felt some kind of loyalty to this guy and he didn't want to just kill him, which, you know, other people he wouldn't have a problem with. And I also love the scenes with him and um, uh, the actor who played Kalinske, uh, which is... Michael Shannon? Yeah, Michael's, Michael Shannon. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, the two of them work great off each other. So, I mean, that's why I put it higher up on my list because I really 
I mean, I enjoyed the movie. I do think they could have gone farther with it. But I still enjoyed the movie, and I thought Ray Liotta did a great job in the movie. Yeah, I like Michael Shannon. You know, this is I was I was a big fan of him by this point, been doing it with him. I just think that, I don't know. I think the director. The, the, I don't know if the director was the right dude. Like if that Andrew Dominic dude who did Killing Them Softly did this, or maybe even if it was a bigger budget thing and you had Scorsese directed and it was more Scorsese like, I think it would have been a way better film. Um, but I just, I think the director was wrong for it. That's per, my personal opinion. I, or, or I think the direction was a little clunky. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd have to read the script. I got the book, but it's, I think it's based off of that. Um, but what can you do? I had high hopes for this film. It was one of those weird vibes because I did want to make it. So I'm, I'm not just being a hater, but I had high hopes. I'm a big fan of, as a as a cultural icon that uh, Dick Kaczynski is, I uh, I had high hopes for the story to be told a certain way and be a certain type of film. So I really wasn't jiving with it when I watched it. But I put it on the list because, you know, and playing DeMeo's, uh, you know, good stuff, um, and Roy, uh, Roy and Ray are so close, you know, but uh, iconic, you know, it's good to see that layout. And uh, I just, it was cool to see them do an Iceman movie. Uh, maybe one day I will do another one and I'm, I'm down for that. But like I said, I like the content more than I like the actual film itself. So next up, what do we have? Uh, number three? Number three. Yeah. Oh my. Well, number three for me would have to be a film called a cop land. Okay. Now, anybody that's not familiar with the uh, cop land, uh, Stallone, I think is the actual star of it officially, but, uh, definitely not the only, we've got Harvey Keitel's in there. Um, we've got, uh, we got Keitel, Stallone. What's his name? Um, uh, Rappaport, Michael Rappaport. Yeah, how do you Michael, feel about Michael Rappaport. Rappaport. You get down with him? I, I think Michael. I mean, Michael Rappaport. I kind of put in the same category as Ray Liotta in the fact that he always plays the same type of characters, and he's great at. It. Uh, he always plays kind of Weasley, you know, guys that you know the, the snitch kind of s characters, and I think he does a great job with them. I like Rappaport. Yeah, this all we the films. All, this this was the the second film of uh, uh, what's his name James uh, Mangold there. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah, you got Harvey Keitel, De Niro, Leota, Peter Berg returns. Uh, Janine Garofalo's in this. Robert Patrick, uh, the bad guy, the bad guy, fucking metal guy from Terminator Two. If nobody yeah. knows him by name. Uh, you should though. He's cool. T one thousand. T one thousand doing it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Copland was really cool, you know. And uh, if I remember correctly, you know, it's you know New Jersey, the community community New Jersey. It's right over. It's not quite New York, but that's where the New York uh, police go to live, the high up ones, so they don't have to get they don't have to shit where they eat, so to speak. Um. You know, and the town is going to mob connection and all that corruption type deal. 
Now, Ray Liotta, I believe, is the, the guy who was a corrupt cop and in the mix of it. And he kind of was going against it. Something happened. I, I don't quite remember what happened, but something happened where he kind of maybe guilty conscience finally caught up with him or something like that. And he was kind of shedding light and uh, he wasn't supposed to. And there was investigation going on and he was, uh, they, they were worried about him. I think they're worried about him talking. So they're trying to kill him and, and Stallone was trying to protect them. Um, Rappaport, I believe, they kill Rappaport, don't they? No, no. He's the one they're trying to protect, right? Yeah, well, he's, 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 um, from my memory, he's the loose end. Uh, I think he's, I think he's like the nephew of like, uh, Harvey Keitel's character. Yeah. And the thing is, he's, he's involved in something really shady, and De Niro, uh, internal affairs wants to get him to yeah. blow off the lid on, on you know the whole Harvey Keitel characters, you know the uh, the um, dirty I, I, dealings with with uh, the other cops. Yeah, now it's coming back to me. I haven't seen this movie in a while, but I remember really liking it enough to put it high up on the list. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll break that out and give that a watch too. But yeah, really cool flick. Dark. I remember as a kid seeing it and being like, look at all these fucking corrupt cops. Look at all these corrupt cops. You know, seeing movies like that got me thinking, got me thinking about how it is out there in them streets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Alex Hawks out there, uh, you know, performing with Ice T cop killer songs. <laughs> Protests, you know, you're yeah. a wild guy. You're fucking a wild guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. 15 mil to make that motherfucker. Hell yeah. 15 large, kid. That's what it would cost to make Copland. But yeah, Copland's cool, man. You don't see movies like that no more. Okay. Uh, you know, right now we're, we'll probably see some crazy cop, corrupt cop movies coming out soon. You know, if they say that uh, it models the time, you know, what you assign to the times uh, in the art. Maybe, you know, there's so much crazy shit going on with cops. You know, yeah. it's been going on for years. And then the newest thing as of right now is there was just that Texas shooting. And I guess the cops waited an hour to go in. And, um, you know, I guess a lot of kids, that's when they got, you know, shot. Yeah. I mean, supposedly uh, they didn't, uh, didn't go in. Um, they even like uh, I think from what I heard was uh, there was a mother who uh, was going to go in. They like tackled her, handcuffed her. She somehow got out of the handcuffs, jumped the barricade, went in, grabbed her kids, and pulled them out. Um, that's I mean that's what you do when yeah. you say somehow. It's like I don't know how you just stand there. Because, like, if you're, if you're, well, I mean, the somehow got out of the handcuffs. I think it's pretty, it's pretty, that's kind of a weird situation because, like, yeah, you get your kids out, but the other parents probably, it's weird. I mean, mean, the thing is, the cops should have just gone, I mean, if there's an active shooter in there, okay, and you guys, yes, okay, be be smart enough to have a plan to go in. But you don't fucking wait outside for an hour uh, waiting for what? I mean, okay, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it made get, no sense to me. We won't get too deep into it. 
But uh, very Columbine was like that too. I remember where like they didn't go; they were afraid of um, pipe bombs and stuff, so they in booby traps, so they didn't go in. But I think they're probably gonna have the answer for it. So pretty soon we're gonna hear about what the dealio is. But yeah, uh, their, that... their answer for it is to just make sure there's only one door unlocked. That's no, the answer. They talk to Ted Cruz. That's what he said. And one one door unlocked, and and give guns to the teachers. That's all you need to do. I think they'll probably be made an example of. It'll be curious to see what comes of this. But back yeah. to number three. Back okay. to what your number three is, Alexander. Uh, my number three is uh, a movie I don't think you've heard of uh, called Copland. Oh, my goodness. Look at us going back to back like a fucking Yes, well, back to back. This is the first one where we exactly have number three is the exact same one, Copland. You know, we don't, what's funny is we don't, before these shows, we don't go, okay, I got this and that. We like to kind of be He He surprised. actually specifically tells me not to tell him how I rank the, oh, the, the movies. You're peeling because, the curve back too deep. You're peeling it back too far now. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 yeah. but anyway, uh, <clears throat> to jump in why I, I put Copland as number three, and to be perfectly honest, yeah. it jumped around from three, two, and one, and... And pretty much uh, three, two, and one were the movies I kept on moving around until we actually started doing the show. Um, now, Copland. I said hmm? I will add real quick just because it won't match up anywhere else. That I agree with that. That the most I've ever jumped around with order of numbers was this one of go putting them all down and going. Well, maybe I should switch these. Maybe I should switch that. The most I've done. It was for for this one. So yeah. back to, my apologies. Back to what you were saying. <laughs> well, anyway, the reason I picked this is not only do you have Ray Liotta playing. I mean, he's played gangsters. He's played cops. He played charity cops and all of that. What I liked about this was the fact that he plays a dirty cop that has uh, big guilt and a lot of... Um, anxiety over the fact that his partner is killed. I yeah. forget exactly uh, the impression I got is that the other cops killed him because he was either going to rat them out or he had something on them or they just want to kill off a loose end to make sure that he wouldn't, you know, end up ratting them out. In the well, future. he was definitely shaky, man. He was like, he wasn't really, you couldn't really trust him. He, yeah, he like, and, 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 and the other cops, you know, were on the offense of whether they should take care of Ray Liotta's character or not because of the fact that he was, it was obvious that he was not happy with how things went down. He was not happy that his partner and his friend was killed. Um, and what I really loved was the fact that, honestly, while Sylvester Sloan is the... Uh, hero and the main character of the story, the way I remember it is that it was Ray Liotta's character that really kind of was the one that pushed and, and kind of put it to the forefront and was the catalyst that really kind of pushed uh, uh, Stallone's character to go and take the extra steps that he needed to take down these corrupt cops. And the other thing was the fact that even though he was a catalyst for that, he was scared of them. He didn't want to be the one going out and and bringing them in or 
going to IA or anything like that because he knew that if he ever did, that they would kill him and kill off, you know, the woman he loved and all that. One of the things I really liked about this was the fact that, you know, you knew, well, Ray Liotta was kind of the catalyst that really kind of got Sylvester Stallone's character to take this this uh, whole thing on. Ray Liotta was too scared to actually do anything. So, you know, when it came down to the last shootout, you were pretty sure that it was going to be just Sylvester Stallone walking down and doing it all himself. And it is by far one of my favorite shootouts with how understated it was. Yeah. And how it was shot because uh, Sylvester Stallone's character uh, loses his hearing during an earlier incident. So the sound is gone for most of it. A lot of it is muffled. So he doesn't hear when a guy's coming up to shoot him. Mm -hmm. And Ray Liotta shows up and shoots that guy. And at that moment, you're 100% sure that Ray Liotta is hiding underneath his bed like a little little asshole. Not backing up the guy who's going to uh, take uh, these guys on. Yeah, and Ray Liotta shows up, and it was a nice little kind of redeeming of that character, which which I thought really was good and really liked about it. Yeah. It's probably one of Stallone's best roles too, because he plays that, you know, he's a dude who always wanted to be a detective, but couldn't quite make it because he had the handicap. And when he finds out that he could kind of bust these people, he's really out to prove himself. It's really a meaty, really meaty character for Stallone. It's got to be one of his best ever. Yeah. And I really like the fact that he did have Ray Liotta playing this character and has this character, you know, realize that he had a man up. And I really like that that change and having him, you know, in the gun battle at the end. Yeah, man, I love that film. It might have been the first time I ever seen anything related to corrupt cops. And it was all kind of a suburban atmosphere, so we could relate, I feel. You know what I mean? It wasn't quite a city. It was more, you know, they went to New Jersey, and it was more of a, more kind of like where we were living at type deal. I appreciate. I appreciate. Copland. Check it out if you haven't seen it. All right. uh, Number dose for me. Well, if I'm doing number two, and if I was going to go to letters, what would number two in the le- in the alphabet be? It'd probably be B, right? Correct. So I uh-huh. have to go with the I have to go with the film called Blow. You know what I mean? No. Ah, yes, yes. Now Blow, uh, Blow is a film that I like for many a reason. You know, Ted Demi. I'm a big fan of Rest in Peace. Both Demi's are uh, are now passed, which is very sad. Um. Ted Demi kind of was uh, involved with getting Yo MTV raps off the ground, which I used to watch back in the day and uh, very tied into kind of the music and the hip hop scene, which was cool. But Blow, uh, I like Blow a lot because George Young was from Weymouth, Massachusetts, the, 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 the t- very town I was born in. So I always thought that was really cool at this time. Johnny Depp could do no wrong. He was legendary status at this point. 
it, it, it's, it's before Amber Heard took a dump in in their bed. Yeah, it's around. I want to say this is right around the time that I was trying to. Like, in my head, I was like, "I'm gonna become a filmmaker," which that's a special time from some of the movies from around that time that I really liked. I um, I got you know, I kind of hold a little high in, in my preference of, but I think yeah, below one of the one of the last real good Johnny Depp flicks uh, before he kind of went into that weird place where it was a lot of like stuff that isn't that great. And, you know, every now and then, like, I don't think he, since blow, I don't think he did another good role until he returned back to Boston to do uh, black mass, which is funny because they're both Boston crime people, which is interesting. It's a fun fact of Johnny Depp. Some of his best characters, his best roles are Boston crime people. But uh, Blow's a uh, you know crazy flick. Um, Ray Liotta plays Johnny Depp's father in the film, which this kind of went back and forth a little bit for the number one spot because this is not you, you know you don't typically see Ray Liotta playing this type of character. This was him actually playing a really loving, supportive, trying to understand the pro, you know father. And he had to deal with the mother that was fucking batshit crazy. And he just felt horrifying. It was so, it was so human. He played that father character so human, dude. And he loved his kid. And it was, it really is like blows really. It's about cocaine, obviously, but it's about the relationship I feel between Ray Liotta, uh, Ray Liotta and Johnny Depp as father and son, as well as, what was to become of Johnny Depp and the little girl? You know what I mean? Which I tell you, dude, at the end of that movie, when he was like talking to, he's like, you know, he's like, I, you know, I can't live without my heart. How am I going to live without my heart? You're my heart. You know what I mean? I remember being like a fucking teenager with like tears from that, just being such a touching moment. And then like, because the whole world, the dude's whole fucking world is like destroyed, dude. Like, holy fuck. And his best friend gets him, and like it's it's executed beautifully. Where it's just like they do a slow motion type scene when everybody's getting up to like for the cops to come in. It's just kind of really well executed. Uh, and, and Ray, like I said, Ray Liotta. We're talking about Ray, so Ray Liotta, dude, is fucking phenomenal. Like it might be. You know, my numero uno is my numero uno, but number two, I got to give it to him because I fucking, on, on numerous levels, that gets to me. His character in that. So sympathetic, loving. It's the most human I think we've ever seen him. Uh, he should have been, he should have been nominated for supporting uh, if he wasn't. I don't think he was. I don't think he, I don't think he's ever been nominated, unfortunately. But he's superb, dude, in Blow. Outdoes, when you really think about it, outdoes Johnny Depp and everybody else in it. He's going so against what he usually does. And that mother, man, she's fucking fantastic in it. Because, dude, when I watch, I want to strangle her as, as like a younger, as a teenager, being like, oh, my God, this is the worst of all time, this lady. And to be that, like, it's a performance. It's like how we talk about, you know, before you really get into film, the behind the scenes of film stuff, you watch stuff and you can watch it. It's like, oh, and you, oh, fucking, you see a character or something who plays villains all the time or dickheads and you go, oh, I fucking hate this person. And then you, 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 you realize it's just, you know, 
it's just somebody doing a character, you know what I mean? But that mother was superb. And, and Ray, Ray Liotta, uh, fucking phenomenal. I think he was great in Blow. Now, I'm very, I'm sure Blow's, is blowing come I won't you don't even have to answer but yeah blow Ray Liotta is great in blow for sure that's why it's my numero duno you know what I mean it's that dose um but almost uno in my heart you know what I mean I think it's his most it's his most sympathetic most emotional probably one of those roles that he really kind of wanted to be remembered for and uh Go check out Blow if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, I'd say check it out again because and really pay attention to him and his performance and how it against what he usually does. That is what 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 he usually does. It is. It's really good. It's really a good performance. Probably the best performance in the film outside of Pee Wee Herman, of course. <laughs> but uh, next up for Alexander the Hawkman is his his dose. Uh. Well, I wanted to just say, um, unfortunately, I did not have blow. You didn't um, have oh, that's what I was. I, yeah, all right. So let's say I, I, I didn't. I didn't have blow. And what I have for number two, I think I'm going to get a a few. Uh, you know what? Why? How dare you? Um, number two is Goodfellas. Okay. Now, I every I you talk to anyone. And you'll say, hey, um, what's really is the best movie? Everyone's going to say Goodfellas. Everyone's going to be, oh, my God, that's the best movie he's ever done. You know, it cemented him as, as an iconic figure. I enjoyed Goodfellas. I thought it was really good, and I thought he did a really good job in it. Um, my, my, my thing is, <clears throat> first of all, well, I enjoy Goodfellas. I do not consider it as good as everyone keeps on saying it is. Um, I don't think it's uh, the best Martin Scorsese film. Um, I can think of a few that I put ahead of Goodfellas. No, nothing against it. It's a good movie. I just, me personally, I never really connected to it. Okay. Um, uh, with that set, being said, I do enjoy Ray Liotta, and it, I think he did a great job. I do think there's one movie where I think he did a better job than Goodfellas, hence why it's my number one, uh, which I'll talk about later. Yeah. And, uh, and I do think the movie really cemented him as, as a, an actor, really cemented him in that role which we talked a lot about you know the either gangster or dirty cop or you know the person who's you know great to hang out with one time and then you'll beat the hell out of you with a gun the next yeah um which really Oda was great at and uh as we've talked before there's a lot of actors that their entire career is them doing one particular type of character and this was Ray's character. His character, pretty much all the characters he played kind of sprouted out of, out of Goodfellas, in my opinion. So that's why it gets that, that high up. I do think it's a bit overrated for, for everything. 
I mean, I think that when it came out, it made sense for why it, it was the phenomenon it was. I can't have the same feeling as I do with Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, both of them, you know, everyone's going to, uh, it tells me, oh, those are the best movies. No. I I think they're good movies, uh, but I think they're bad. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now I'm I'm assuming I'm assuming I might be wrong I might be hundred uh, percent wrong but I'm assuming that your number one might be Goodfellas. Yeah, you're shitting all over it, dude. Yeah. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. No, See, I, I give you the opportunity to tell me to screw off and tell me how great the movie is. Yeah. Well, my number one is the Goodfellow film. You know what I mean? I think Ray Liotta's really great in it. He goes like, the gauntlet of different emotions and different things. He's a kid on the come up. Getting success, losing success, having all that, all the drug addiction shit, going to prison, getting out, you know, the whole deal. It's an epic film. I mean, in my mind, it's probably top five most iconic films ever made in my mind. Um, huge, you know, Scorsese, one of Scorsese's best. I do vibe with you. It's got the Pulp Fiction vibe where it's so iconic. You can't watch it too often. It's lengthy. It is iconic. There's a lot of groundbreaking stuff in it. Um, you know, Scorsese, you know, the way that, you know, the, the way that George Romero reinvented the zombie film, Scorsese reinvented the, the mobster film, the way Sam Raimi reinvented superhero films. You know, these are all people that reinvented take these things and these whole sub, these whole cultures, these genres and make them their own. That's how massive the talent is. You know what I mean? Um, Goodfellas, man. Iconic. So I, that, that weighed in heavy on me. Like the, the massiveness of the film itself as well as his role. And he really does run the gauntlet of different emotions and ups and downs. And there's a lot of acting to be had from him in Goodfellas. But it's not just a intensity the whole way through, you know what I mean, or whatever. There's moments of it. There's moments when there aren't it. You know what I mean? It's very uh, well-rounded character, you know what I mean? That's why I have it in there as my numero uno. I think the, the movie itself is iconic. I think he really put on his acting shoes. And uh, I think he was so iconic in that character that everything almost after after that kind of was a shadow of that. There was always a little bit of that in it. I think that's what everybody kind of wanted, but realistically, I guess he played a, he put his whole entire acting chops display out there. So you'll see, you could probably dip into Goodfellas and see just about every character he's ever played little pieces of them within that film. You know what I mean? Cause it's just so well-rounded and so much, there's a lot of very meaty, very meaty film, you know what I mean? You know, De Niro is somebody who, you know, I love De Niro, but realistically, he he's really in one mode. He doesn't really have too many ups and downs, you know what I mean? Um, nowadays, he has more downs, unfortunately. But, but like, uh, character-wise, you know, it's, it's really just kind of one mode, which he can't, he, you know, he hasn't done it 
in a while, but he can switch it up and do. You know, I like those meet. I like Meet the Parents and Meet the Fuckers. I, I enjoyed those films. You know what I mean? And completely different from King of Comedy and Goodfellas and you know the Mission and Cape Fear. You know, he's got a wide selection of stuff too. But I feel like, um, you know, Ray as Henry Hill is the, is the main character that focuses on his entire journey of life. You know what I mean? So I mean, I, I think there's a lot more meat to that character. So yeah, that's why I gave it without rambling on anymore and having people turn off. I think that's why I gave it number one because I think it was probably his biggest. It showed his most range as an actor as well as the film itself is like incredibly iconic. So I had to give it to that. But for the Hawkman, his numero uno movie that is better than that Ray, Ray Liotta outshined himself in Goodfellas and is a big, way more massive of a film than Goodfellas. Hawkman would go with the Rat Pack. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, now have you seen the movie? No. Ah. Uh, now here's the thing. Uh, first of all. I know, uh, I know this will probably give some people heartburn, but uh, it's a made-for-TV movie. Oh, yeah. Okay? Uh, but I thought it was really well done. Uh, first of all, you have Don Cheadle as Sammy Davis Jr. Joe uh, Mac, uh, uh, I forget how uh, I would say his last name. Uh, he's on, like, uh, Criminal Minds now as, like, the lead... Um, character in that. He plays Dean Martin. And you got Ray Liotta playing yeah. the one and only Blue Eyes, Mr. Frank Sinatra. Ah. Now, um, I'm sure there's other movies where people have played Frank Sinatra or movies about Frank Sinatra. If there is, I don't know of any off the top of my head. Sure you do. Um, and you can argue that Ray Liotta doesn't look like Frank, and he he didn't try to sound like Frank and all that, um, which I think is a good idea because sometimes when people try to sound like famous people that they're playing, it comes off as parody, and it it feels just like forced. Yeah. Now. I thought that Ray Liotta played a great Frank Sinatra, especially him trying to get in bed with uh, John F. Kennedy, pulling strings to get him the votes, and then um, after John F. Kennedy becomes president, pretty much um, sidelining him and letting his brother Bobby Kennedy become uh, a, a the position that, you know, he ended up going after, like, Hoover and the rest of the ga uh, gang members, which were the ones that were behind getting some states to vote for John F. Kennedy, where they had the most pull. And I really love the fact that you have Ray Liotta playing this iconic real person. And... He gave. He really showed the struggle that this person had. I mean, you could like or hate Frank Sinatra. Same thing with all the other members of the Rat Pack. 
Yeah. But I thought Ray played him. He didn't try to. He he didn't try to. Um, I would say. Uh, like I said, he didn't try to sound like Frank and all that, and he did sing the songs, and he did did a, a pretty good job. Yeah. But the chemistry with him, with all the other members of the Rat Pack, there's like two or three scenes where they're doing their bits. They're up there. They're making the people laugh and all of that. And all four of the actors played their roles well, and they played off each other extremely well. Yeah. And if Ray Liotta couldn't uh, do Frank Sinatra the way he did it, it wouldn't have worked. Okay. And, well, yes, I'll be the first one to say that, yes, we can argue that Goodfellas is an iconic movie, and the Rat Pack, it happened. I don't think a lot of people saw it, and it's kind of, like, disappeared into the zeitgeist of forgotten TV movies, which is plenty. And with TV movies, a lot of times they're crap because they're cheap, they're easier done, and they're only to fill, like, a, an hour, two-hour gap when they don't have a, a, a TV show of the week to show. Yeah. But as TV uh, made-for-TV movies go... This one was one of the better ones because they had a good cast and the fact that Ray Liotta, I thought, really sold, sold himself playing Frank Sinatra. Maybe not the, the voice or the face, but the soul. I think that he really kind of tapped into. Yeah. Which I think is, uh, is even harder uh, when you... Because with him playing the character... In Goodfellas, who is a real character? How many people know the actual character he was playing? They actually, know the actual person. I mean, there's so many. Everyone knows Frank Sinatra. Everyone can watch his movies. They can listen to his songs, and they're like, so he's going to be compared with the actual Frank Sinatra by more people than he was in Goodfellas. Yeah. Which, within itself, as an actor, that is terrifying. Even in an interview with Larry King, he made a comment, that was his most terrifying role because he knew that him playing Frank Sinatra, he even said that he got, like, a letter from Nancy Sinatra, you know, threatening to sue him if he took the role or something like that. Because, mm -hmm. you know, she didn't think that he could do her father justice or anything. And, I mean, being an actor, taking on a real-life character that millions of people have seen and have listened to is terrifying. Because you don't want to come off as a parody and you don't want to not show people a vision of this person. And I thought, honestly, in the long run, that was a, a more of a brave film uh, film role that he has portrayed. Yeah, right. Last, like your opinion, man. 
I know it's my opinion, yeah. man, but that that's how I see it. And and I'm the with you. is, um, I mean, I picked, I found the DVD at uh, at like Bull Moose only, um, actually maybe three or four weeks ago. Oh, uh, it was only three bucks. It was uh, previewed. It was by itself. It won you over. That's well, why I saw that. I picked it up, and and of course, then you know. Uh, Matt talked about doing this, and I, I popped it in, and I, because I haven't seen it since it first aired, and I watched it all the way through, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I have to give this the number one spot because I thought that Ray really, I mean, I thought really did a good job." Yeah, I think, like I said, a special places and times for people, and that fits this right here for you. Yeah. Special place and time, my friend. Special place and time. And uh, with that being said, yeah, I think that that kind of that kind of wraps up our uh, our journey into. It. I still think the Good Goodfellas is probably a little bit better of a film, but who am I to nah. say? Nah. <laughs> and then the best television film is is your film, but okay. you can't even make that. You can't. You're so stubborn that you automatically shut down the first half of that and, and you upset the people. I can never I can never uh, choose your side now over the people right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But um, the thing is, like I said, I mean, uh, we've done a few other 10 ADs and, and there's always that one role that everyone's kind of con- considers iconic. And I do have a tendency to put them more in the number two spot than the number one because I do believe that that there's so many great performances out there that that don't get recognized because of that one performance, which might be great, but because it's in a film that has become so iconic, that it overshadows roles that I think that are even better um, showcasing of the person's talent. Well, there you have it. Have you ever seen Dominic and Eugene? No. I haven't either. That's what I wanted to check out. It looked interesting. But, yeah, I'm with you. You know, very sad stuff. Well, he was like 657 or 60 or something like that, right? Could be. He was young, wasn't wasn't too old, you know what I mean. Still had some stuff left in him, um, you know. Uh, but yeah, rest in peace. Our love from the Boombasta cast to Ray Liotta on the other side. Did you want to say anything? Did you want to tell the world why that you you he's your influence for getting into acting? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, uh, but um, I mean. After this, I do have uh, more of an appreciation for him. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, like I said, uh, I've seen him in things, but, I mean, when I heard about his passing and we were talking about doing this show, I had to admit that I had to go back and rewatch stuff because while I remembered the movies, I didn't quite remember exactly what he did in the movies. Yeah. And, because a lot of these movies I haven't seen for like years. Yeah. Um, 
and it was good uh, to to go back. And he was a very talented actor, and uh, and the thing is, he found his his style. He found his niche of playing these type of characters, and he played them very well. That's why they always picked him up. I do, I do have to say, there's one movie I'm going to just throw in there. Yeah, it's it's not his best performance by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, and it's not even a good movie. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I want to throw in uh, as just uh, mentioned, which is in Name of the King, a Dungeon Siege Tale. Now that that was directed by U Bowl, I uh, friend of the cast and uh, friend on Facebook. Heck yeah. We yeah. love you, Luke. Yeah. Like how he boxes people that don't agree with him. I think that's gangster. Yeah. Postal's uh, a good flick. Yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the, the, the film. Uh, yeah. I think it uh, got uh, a lot more hate than it deserved. Yeah. Um, and it's also the only film where Ray Liotta played a wizard. I'm sorry. Just for that simple fact that he played a wizard... And and is the villain of the piece. I love it. I, I love gotta agree, I, I gotta agree with you there. I, I, you can't argue that. Uh, plus, also, he's playing a wizard and he's fighting Jason Statham. And the whole scene with him, you know, using these books to pin, pin Jason Statham down as he's going after him. I mean, honestly, I love the scene. Like I said, it's. I, I got a soft spot for you, bowl movies. Uh, I think I, I like his style. I mean, I'm not saying that they're Academy Award winning movies, but I do think that uh, he has a great style, and I, I, I enjoy him. I enjoy him. Me too. Me, me but, too. He's always welcome on the Bullmaster cast. But like I said, I had, I had to make the mention of the one film where... Ray Liotta played a wizard. Yeah, so very sad stuff. We send our love out to Ray Liotta's friends, fans, and all that, and we'll see him on the other side. Uh, he's still a good fellow to me, always will be. And uh, I know we have nothing but respect. We should almost do like a like a Hall of Fame with the Boombastic cast for all the all the folks that go down. They maybe they got to be on the show, so they better get you. Everybody better get cracking poor. <laughs> Ray Liotta, I know that he was very sad uh, when he realized that he was that it was, that it was the actual end has come. I know that he was very sad for a lot of different reasons, but I know one of the one of the biggest reasons why he was sad is because he was never a guest on the Boombastic Cash Show. I so, can understand that. I can, and it made me sad too. I woke up, I was sad. I didn't know why I was sad, and I said, you know, it must be because Ray Liotta is sad that he was never on the Boombastic Cast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed this show. Um, let this let this list of films. Uh, you know, if you've never seen any of these films, definitely peep into it. There's a there's a film or two that the Hawkman brought up that I gotta check out, especially his made for TV film to see if it actually can hold a light to uh, the Goodfellow <laughs> film, which I don't think it can. Oh, dude, dude, dude. I mean, come on. There's, there's, there's no... As, even if it was, like, the best movie ever, you would not 
Not against Goodfellas. Man. I'd tell you. I'd tell you if it was if it was better than it. No, no. You, you'd be like, no. I don't got no ego. I can't I see past Goodfellas. Don't you understand? I cannot made, see past Goodfellas. I've, I've made mistakes in the past. If you turned me on to a, a, a big film like that I enjoyed, I'd give props for sure. For sure, man. There's no such thing as the best film. Just good uh, films. And I happen to think that that, that film is not as good as Goodfellas. Huh? It's good as in the, in the title of the name for crying out loud. How could it be bad? Of course. So, with that being said, we hope everybody enjoyed this this episode. Go check out some Ray Liotta tonight. You know, right now. Do it. And uh, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of the Boombastic Cast. Peace. Peace. Peace.